0: When I was 7. I was like this little short fat awkward kid and they're like, "Hey, like we need to do something with JR like, you know, like we're all athletes. Like let's get him in something." My grandpa was like, "Well, well, I think we should do dance or karate. Like both of those are great for balance." My dad's like, "Oh, let's go with karate."
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, for obvious imagine reasons, imagine that. And Boom goes the dynamite just like that Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in For another episode of Open Action with me, John McClain uh, This show is presented by Arms Corps Ammunition And tonight we have got an awesome guest That is, man, he's kind hes kind of like all out there He's doing all sorts of manly things that I would never even do with my pants that I wear But um, this gentleman is Jr. Crosby Jr. Crosby is a MMA fighter He's an Ellie officer, he's a hunter, he's a competition shooter, he claims to be a nice guy, so we'll find that out for ourselves. <laughs> What's up, JR? How you doing, man? What's up? What's up? So yeah, so as you can see, Jr. is on the road right now. He's being uh, chauffeured around. They've they've got some they've got some fun traffic ahead, or they had some fun traffic ahead of them. But uh, they're cruising through either way. I I appreciate you very much for for taking some time to to sit down and chat and and all that kind of good stuff. So, what's what's new, man? What, so tell us a little bit about you know, where you're he- what you're heading from home, what you're heading home from.
0: Uh, heading back from Miami, and luckily got the lights, so. That helped out, uh, and yeah, just heading back home to Miami. Was supposed to be there to meet you at home, but ran into good old traffic coming back, so about a two-hour delay. But still got service.
1: Yeah. So. Perfect, perfect. And then, so, so you were down in Miami. <laughs> that means, uh, were you were you looking to smack Will Smith or?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, I would love to. He hasn't responded to any of my DMs, which is weird. Um, his wife probably would but he didn't um, so uh, I probably gotta I gotta see if I can get with somebody on that but uh, no I actually go down to Miami uh, a pretty good amount I got I do some training down there and I, I teach down there in like all the way up the coast there to like in the Jupiter area I was at teaching the other day in Hollywood and I got a really good buddy of mine who's on my team um which, uh, one of my Turned into one of my coaches now. He's kind of retired from fighting, and um, he was a he was a hell of a fighter. Um, but he's pretty busted up now, so he's started on a construction company. He moved to Paradise in Miami around the water, and uh, but he's still coaching me. So I go down there and spend some time with him too and do some training. So
1: nice, nice, yeah. So as we said in the in the intro, you're an MMA fighter along with some other stuff, and uh, I I kind of want to bring something up about that because yeah, I, I'm a dude. I kind of think I'm kind of sort of manly, but I also know that there's a lot of shit that, like, um, no, I haven't done still to this day. Um, and what I'd like to know, or which maybe you can try and, and, and express out there, is, like, Explain how you get that desire to want to try MMA and want to get into a cage with another person and just kind of see who's the better physical and and technical opponent. Like that, because that, you know, that seems to be like a, like, you got to be a different kind of person to be like, yeah, hell yeah, let's, let's, let's lock horns and see who comes out on top. So, so how did you, how did you develop this, this desire to be like, you know what, no, I want to, I want to get into the ring and I want to see what I can do? You,
0: you definitely got to have a little something wrong with you. 100%. like you have to there's you can. you have to i don't, I don't care like you just have to because in today's day and age people are like why and i'm like i can't always fully answer it other than i just really want to but the way i started was when i was seven i was like this little short fat awkward kid my dad rodeoed professionally my grandpa played for the yankees so like a super athletic family and they're like hey like we need to do something with jr like you know like we're all athletes like let's get him in something my grandpa was like well well, I think we should do dance or karate. Like, both of those are great for balance. My dad's like, oh, let's go with karate. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, for obvious imagine reasons. Imagine that, right? <laughs> for obvious reasons. Imagine that, you know. Be, you know, so, so I start karate at seven, Start doing tournaments, Stay with karate, and into wrestling in high school, and jiu-jitsu, and shortly after... Uh, uh kind of i win some stuff in the amateur rings like in jiu-jitsu and kickboxing and start doing pretty well but i'm only doing it in between football and baseball seasons i play football and baseball my entire life i had college scholarships so i was already set like i had a couple of letter of i signed junior year and they're like okay you can do this but it was always for like to stay in shape and um, the last one in my senior year i went to I won some gold uh, medals at some different competitions and some big ones in Orlando. So I got invited to this pro day up in Orlando at the Jungle, which is uh, pretty well-known MMA gym. Some like really legendary guys came out of there, especially back in the day. They're still great coaches, and they had this like amateur day where essentially back then in Florida, you could just like there was no the sanctions were not near like they are today. Like I just refilled out my pro license today, resubmitted blood work, eye work, all that kind of stuff. And and I do that all the time. Even already having a pro license, get a physical done, make sure there's no kind of injuries, no issues. And the state has to approve it. Back then it was pretty much like, yeah, you want to fight? Oh, okay, cool. Sign this waiver. And then just get in the cage and fight. And that's pretty much like it was. We had this like little entry day and, it went well, it did pretty well, had a bunch of amateur fights, got the shit beat out of me completely, had to like change my shirt, hide my blood all my nose, my shirt was covered in blood, and it all hid before my mom and dad picked me up, because I was only 17 going on 18, so I didn't, I couldn't even, I didn't even have my own car to drive that far, oh, so my man. folks literally had to drive me there, and drop me off, because I'm like, you guys can't go in, like, you gotta drop me off and let me walk in, like, you can't can't walk me in it's like my parents in this deal like there's no way so i had an uncle who was orlando pd so like all right we're gonna go hang out with your uncle so they dropped me off came back like four hours later and i'm like like a freaking mushroom or vegetable and, uh but it went well um i got into it for a while did some fights um end up going into law enforcement kind of starting as a detective young decided i was gonna continue my education um so went to grad school and stuff like that, took some time off, and then got back into it uh, in 2020 when I started training with, with Jock Ray Sousa and some of the UFC guys over in Orlando, just helping them get ready for a fight. And they were like, man, you, you don't want to fight again? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I would. And uh, I fought a couple months later and then went kind of into it full time from there. Like After that first fight went really well, and I just...
1: Reignited it, so I jumped back in it and went full time into it. So, right on. Now, um, so you, you've shot some competition. I've shot a match yes. or two, and uh, and I uh, got ass- to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I got to assume that uh, the mental game, like I, you know, just like any other sport. Mental is a huge part of it, right? I mean, physical is important. You got to be, you got to be, especially in your sport that you're doing, like the physical side is almost like I I would dare to say there's more to the physical side in your sport than there is in most other sports, right? But, um, yeah. But the mental side has got to be just absolutely rock hard. Like, I I know, like, people, I've, I've talked to people before about some MMA stuff. You know, they watch UFC or whatnot and they talk about, well, I don't like that guy. He seems like such an asshole. Like, he seems so cocky. He seems so stuck up. And I'm like, you know, if you were to walk into the ring with the mindset of, yeah, this guy's probably going to beat my face in like you lost, you're, you're losing. You are already, yeah, yeah. right. Oh, yeah. So um, with that being said, now you're, you're getting in the ring, you're getting ready to, to lock horns with another person and stuff. I got to assume like, it's kind of the same thing that happens with the shooting world where like, you've got so many thoughts and things and emotions that are, that are going through your head. And yet at the same time, you're having to take a breath and just be like, all right, let's take this one step at a time, one swing, you know. So, explain kind of a little bit about like what what is that kind of feeling for you when you're when you're in the ring? Like what is it that you're seeing? What is it that you're hearing? Like because I mean, like I I watch fights and I see the, and hear the coaches like, you know, like yelling out encouragement or yelling out, hey, you know, t- take the side guard, take the side, or whatever. And I gotta assume, like, man, in the ring, when I got like a hundred or two hundred pound dude sitting on top of me trying to sh- to find some way to strangle me, I don't know if I'd be processing that information. Like, you know, my my brain would be like, oh my god, you're just, just do whatever you can, just don't let this guy kill you, you know, kind of thing. So, so how? uh Let's talk a little bit about your mental side and, and yeah, to explain like, do you actually hear all that stuff? Like, you know, how how do you go through that process?
0: It's- it's a learned trait. It's it's kinda like like prior for you, like now being up at the top of the game, like you know how you develop probably with matches, like when you have a bad stage and you've learned to probably put that out of your head and catch back up and know when to push, when to not. When in the middle of a stage to like increase your cadence, when when to back down, when to take good shots on a swinger, like you know, you just it's learned. It's it takes time, it takes experience. My first few fights, like I'm a striker. I've always been a striker, I'll always be a striker at heart, even though, like, I'm a BJJ Black Belt and stuff now, and I'm, that is what I geared to do. Some fights, it depends on who I'm fighting, so, like, obviously, like, you know, my next fight coming up in May, like, I'm fighting a dude that's six foot four, he's two and a half inches taller. and he got a lot more reach, and, you know, it comes from a professional boxing background, like, it would be stupid of me to just go out and box that guy, when that's his strength, and I have the other abilities to do other things. So like as you progress and you learn a new school set, new skill sets, you start applying them in different situations. So there's a lot of pre-planning. There's a lot of thinking you do hear your coaches as you get more experience, like jump side control or push. I mean, it could be some of those pushes head down, because you can't see like, it looks completely different, obviously like when you're in the gauge and when they're on the outside, um, and the preparation before, it's different for everybody. I used to, like, get super hyped, um, especially, like, at weigh-ins and stuff like that. And you're, like, scared. Like, you're, like, wanting to scare the guy. Now, I've just kind of learned, like, to, like, settle down and just think and just let my emotions, like, don't force anything. Like, if I don't feel like being hyped, that's good. I'll slow down. I'll breathe. Like, if I'm in the fight and I feel like I smell blood and I want to tune it up, like, I think I got this guy hurt now it's time to step it up now it's time we step it up so um you just learn as you go you do hear you do definitely hear things it's hard depends on how big the venue is like i've been in venues where you can't hear your coaches at all like there's no way like i've been on like a couple years ago I was at a big uh, avenue up, or a venue up by atlanta and i am like right here like my coach is cage side he is screaming at me in portuguese too to make sure that it's not like getting jumbled up with english and i couldn't understand i couldn't hear him like at all so that was just the venue so then you gotta adjust and just sometimes you'll look like you'll see guys in fights actually look up and they'll be like swim for the underhook or you know you'll go go to the back go to the back go to the back you know because they can see things you can't um the preparation before is it's not like it's just different for everyone it's no different than shooting like some guys are like super calm and relaxed and the bell rings and then it's on. And that's kind of probably how I am more or less. Some guys just get themselves in like kill mode, like straight battle. Like they, 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 they like to talk shit. They like to put down their bone And that's just how they mentally hype themselves up. And that's just how it is. So everybody's, everybody's a little different, but if you go in there now, as good as everybody is in MMA, cause you know, it's kind of like action sports shooting, right? Like it's still a young sport. It's only like 30 years old. So, and back in the day, it was just proving, like, who had the best martial art. Like, is BJJ better in kickboxing, vice versa? Now, if you want to be a, like, a true professional fighter, you've got to be really, really good at everything and really, really, really good at a couple things. And then you got to go with a game plan, and then you need to execute that game plan, and then you got to be able to adjust on the fly. So, the mental game is, is ever been as big as physical. Like, you can be the biggest physical monster in the world if someone is that much better than you mentally they're gonna overtake you and you know, vice versa. So
1: and, and so it almost sounds like you um you have to kinda learn how to like what what I call it is working your throttle. It's knowing, okay, I've got a three yard target coming yeah. up, so I can ra- I can run a ten split on that thing, but then I've got a I've got a thirty-yard popper that I've got to hit, so I've got to drop the, you know, throttle down and stuff. So it sounds like you kind of got gotcha. to do the same thing. Like when you're, when you're feeling the flow or when you're getting a good rhythm going uh, against your opponent, then you kind of turn on the gas a little bit more, throw a few more punches, get moving a little more. Versus being like, well, okay, I, I've still got to feel some shit out. Like, all right, let me back up, take a breath, let me let me process what's going on. And and yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I've, listened you know, I listen to Joe Rogan's experience all the time. And listening to him talk about MMA fighting is like I, I gotta assume that's the same thing as like someone like talking to me about competition shooting because he's just got so much information coming out of his face and you're just like, dude, how can you remember this guy and this guy and what his reach was and how that fight ended and what they were thinking and how the interview? I mean, it's just it's just crazy, right? But but uh, getting to watch and and listen to him talk about it, it, it you know, yeah, I mean, people think you know and, and i think it really comes down to any sport right like you just don't realize how much work goes into preparing for one moment um you know something is simple, like it's not like you're just jumping into a cage and be like all right who, who's fighting but like you know who's right. fighting and so you know like you said like okay this guy's a boxer he's he's good at striking so maybe I ought to try and work on my groundwork and try and get him to the ground so we can play on a little more level level field, you know, stuff like that. And and just just like any you know, baseball the all the all the time that they spend watching batters go against pitches and being like, oh, every time it's a high and inside fastball, he just crushes it. So and when that guy right. comes up, we're gonna keep away from the the high and tight fastball and stuff. So. um yeah, man it 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 seems like a lot of of information it's, it's to process because I mean yeah because then I mean yeah like you said I I remember the first time I ever watched UFC I actually found a VHS tape at my dad's house and so I popped it in the the um, the VCR and this Ultimate Fighting Championship one popped on and it okay. was it was completely different than what it is today because back in the day UFC was like a bracket one day. Fight challenge yeah. and like you said it was like It wasn't oh oh you know here comes Conor McGregor versus Jose Aldo It was karate Versus kung fu and then the next one yep. Would be a wrestler facing A jujitsu guy and then after that it yep. was Like you know yeah kickboxing versus Traditional boxing and and They had to fight three fights in one night Like if you won you move down the bracket And then next thing you know yep. The karate guy was facing You know a taekwondo guy and then if they won, right. they got to the and final no fight. and no weight and no weight classes, yeah, no, no I, weight classes. yeah, there was, Bare there was knuckle. One, yeah, yeah, exactly, the sumo wrestler going up against some uh yeah. some karate guy or something like that, and it was just it was just comical, yep. like all he had to do was like all he had to do was catch him and fall on him, and he won, but yeah. you know, like yep. it's, so what? Yeah. that
0: was that was the, yeah that was that was the thing back then it was like, what martial art is actually the best, and has developed into now, like guys are just so good at everything they're complete mixed martial artists and who and if they are that good across the board who they fight determines how they're gonna fight just like last fight with john jones and Ciryl gone like john jones can strike man like he can he can throw hands uh you know he can box he can kickbox. but john wasn't gonna stand up with Ciryl gone Ciryl gone's the best heavyweight kickboxer in the world right now mma k1 what type, whatever you want to do like Ciro Gone is the best heavyweight striker in the world. So even if John Jones, which he's not probably like overall, but even if he was the number two striker in the world, like why is he gonna strike with that dude when he's a drastically better wrestler and a drastically better grappler? He just went to put the dude against a cage, took him down, jumped on his neck, and bam, fight's over in what was that, two minutes and something? Because yeah. he's so yeah. much better than him on the ground and so much better of a wrestler. And he just adjusted to it. And when he fights Stipe next, Coming up in July, you know, now he's like, all right, now what I do, because Stipe going to be hard to take down. Uh, Stipe can box. Uh, so now he's going to have him and his coaches are going to have to come up with a plan um, to what is the best way to fight Stipe. So maybe it's not always your strength versus their strength. Like, that's not a good way to look at it. would be like an NFL team being like, hey, you know, we're, we got the, you know, we got Derrick Henry, we got the best running back in the NFL. We're just going to run the ball on first and second down. Like, no, you got to mix it up. If the defense maybe has got a weak secondary, they're going to go down the field and stretch them. It's all strategy. It's it's so much better now today and so much more complete of an actual sport, you know, than it was back in the day. Like you're not getting steroided out, you know, ex NFL players now just walking out of you know the NFL and being like, oh, I'm just going to throw gloves on because they're an athletic freak and go fight. Like no, if you don't have the skill sets. To back it up in years and years of skill sets in essentially every avenue, you're going to get destroyed. I mean, you can. That's why guys come from, you know, ADCC and are some of the best grapplers in the world, hands down, and they don't come in the UFC and everybody's like, why didn't I just go to UFC and make money? I'm like, because if he doesn't get him to the ground, like, he's going to get knocked out, like, by everybody. Like, he has, he's never striked. Like, it's just, it's just two different sports. You know, it's just two different sports, two different things. So, um, You just got to be really, really good. Like I tell people, it's like being an MMA fighter now, it's kind of like being a decathlete in the Olympics. Like you may not, like if you're a really good MMA boxer, like you may not be able to box with like Floyd Mayweather or Tyson Fury, one of the best boxers in the world. Just like if you take a decathlete to the Olympics, you put him in the sprint. Like he's not going to run with the best sprinters in the world, but he's really, really good at everything. And he's probably really good and can hang with those guys in maybe a couple events. So um, that's kind of how MMA fighters, if they want to be complete successful pros, they have to be really, really good at everything. Even guys that don't have a reputation for being good at stuff, like, um, like Jacare Souza, like you know, I, who I train with, uh, you know, is known for just being a BJJ guy. Jacare can box, man. He's boxing Vitor Belfort coming up soon. Like he can box, he can kickbox. He's got nasty muay Thai. He's got a black belt in judo. Like, he's just known for his jiu-jitsu because he's so good at jiu-jitsu, but then, like, he went out in his career and knocked out, like, really great strikers like Derek Brunson and other guys because they were so worried about his jiu-jitsu, they made a mistake and they, he capitalized with it on his feet, so that was great strategy on his part. They were so worried about his ground game. He did a feint, and a slip, and they dropped their hands, and bam, he catches them, and, and he just knocked out a guy who's a tremendously better striker than he is on paper, but when it's MMA, it's... You it's just a different story.
1: So, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, um, you do MMA, but you're also... Uh, tell us a little bit about your LE background. Like, what, where is it that... You, were you a, a police officer, a sheriff's officer? Like, what, what were you doing, and, and how long did you do that for?
0: Uh, so I started as a deputy in the jail when I was 20. Wasn't quite old enough to go on the road. Um, I was in school. I wanted to be pro in MMA, so my dad was a cop. My uncles were cops. Everybody in my family was cops and ranchers and I grew up on a ranch my whole life. I know how hard that work is, so I'm like, Well, like, um, I probably should go to school. Um so I was in school and I'm like, Oh, I'm like that'd be cool, like, you know, like I didn't really plan on ever wanting to be a regular cop. Um I just I had other ideas and stuff I want to do, either military, but I thought it would be cool. I'm like, ah, like being on a tactical unit would be cool, some of that stuff would be cool. Um, I just didn't really want to go to like Mother, you know, husband and wives arguing all the time—that kind of stuff that you see. You know, that's that just wasn't really my thing. I'm like, I don't think I had the temperament for that. So, um, but I started in the jail at 20. It was a great experience. I hated the job, but it was a great experience because um, you only had to talk to people. You're in there with guys who are, you know, going to prison for the rest of their life and have nothing to lose, and you know, you're solving conflicts and all that kind of stuff. So it was a great experience. Um, corrections is really, really good experience. Um, it just wasn't for me. I didn't like being inside for a twelve hour shift and all that kind of good stuff. So got out, went patrol, did that for a couple years, um worked in like a super little high crime area of Sarasota, um which is in Florida, which is kind of a well kept secret, but it's a pretty bad little um you know ghetto area uh, and uh so I got a lot of experience patrol very, very quickly. I went to that area on purpose um and got a lot of experience very, very quickly. Um, got to go be a regular detective for a bit, um, suit and tie type of deal, because um, I'd finished my master's and I had a little bit of a finance background in my master's and other things. So I jumped in doing some of that kind of stuff and was like, yeah, this is cool, but I want to get back on the streets. And uh, so I went to an attack unit um, and eventually into a narcotics unit, um, which was completely an undercover unit where we were just doing special investigations. So it could be. You know, mostly it was narcotics, but we also did gun buys. We did special investigations and um, we got to attach to task force and stuff and go out of the county and go all the way to Atlanta and go all over the place, Miami and and work, you know, help other federal agencies and stuff like that, work on cases. So um, that was really awesome. And then I got a chance to get into um, some like contracting type stuff with protection details. And the opportunity just came up and I had about eight years in. So um, I delved into that and kind of missed actually chasing bad guys. I didn't like just looking for them all the time and kind of being on that background. So I shifted over to um, another type and end up being where I'm at today, which is pretty much uh, anywhere from agriculture to narcotics investigations uh out the center of Florida and stuff like that and working
2: with a bunch of different agencies in a liaison position. So oh, watching there. Oh no.
0: Ah. Phone phone oh, down. Phone down. down. <laughs> and down. down. So um but yeah, I went to a liaison position and um, yeah, it's 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 been awesome. Uh so I got ten years in now. Um doing a lot of instructing now. Um a little bit of everything from like Sniper stuff and CQB stuff, uh, a lot of classroom stuff too. Um, I'm finished on my doctorate coming up next year, so I've been working on that for almost four years. So um, during that time, I was doing a lot of a lot of research um, in my dissertation's law enforcement training. Um, so I've got to dive into a ton of different types of law enforcement training, different agencies, seen a lot of successes, a lot of failures, and then actually got to go sit in. With multiple agencies in different states,
2: um, both
0: from work and just through schooling, to kind of see
1: how things are done and
0: what agencies are doing stuff really, really well, and what agencies are really falling short and where and why. So, um, so that's where I'm at now. To finish that up next year, um, I'll never. I don't plan on leaving, even if it's in a um, role like I'm in now, like a part-time role that's not really fully into law enforcement, just kind of still my foot in that door because um, I still super enjoy it. Uh, I love working with, you know, the guys and girls that I work with and, and especially doing, you know, good cases and stuff like that. So um, I don't see myself leaving it fully for a long, long time. Um, I would have thought I would have. Like, if you'd asked me when I was, like, full-time running the gun and I'd been like, oh, I have another opportunity. Like, I just come back. And then it's funny, like, guys like Steve Micek, who, you know, is still working as a fireman, Everybody's like, "This is crazy!" Like the guys made tons of money in the UFC. He's the, the best UFC fighter in heavyweight history. He still goes and works as a fireman. I never got that before, and I'm like, "Okay, now I kind of, now I kind of get it." So,
1: well, and let's you know, be I like, honest. I mean, I mean, firefighters. Like, you know, do they even really work? Like, you know,
0: I mean, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, they they once. I mean, you know, they, they really get upset when they have to turn their Call of Duty off and come out and help you out at night. They they still they still complain. Nothing's changed. So I get my cousin crap all the time too. He's a he's fireman, you know, down by me. And I'm like, he's you he complains about a shift. I'm like, oh man, will they wake you up twice in your in your, in your 12 hour nap? Like, poor <laughs> thing, So yeah, I,
1: I did uh, EMS. And, I did EMS in Vegas for eight years uh, on private ambulance company. So yeah, it was always uh, like those two o'clock in the morning. You'd see them and like, like you know, it's just such a bullshit call. And they're they all just have that face of what the. F- you know, and and they just are just waiting for you to show up so they can go here, and they would just hand over their notes and then walk back to the truck to leave. And it's just like, oh, poor babies, poor guys. You know, I've been stuck in my Sometimes. ambulance. I've been stuck in my ambulance for ten hours straight. You know, eating McDonald's and <laughs> Wendy's when I can. Oh, you poor guys. If you, you're did lucky, someone not get their full propie, Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> so oh, we work twenty four yeah, hours. Was, I'm but, like, do you, do you? Exactly right I mean some I'll, I'll admit there there were some stations in Vegas like you know when you first came out of rookie school and you're going into station one down there in Las Vegas Boulevard and Bonanza like Fremont Street, yeah you're oh, pretty yeah. much running calls all day and all night like I- i'll give those guys credit but man the guys that were way up in like sun city hanging out with the old folk and stuff they're just like oh <laughs> god cindy cindy fell out of her bed again let's go pick <laughs> her up you know it's like God, oh, dude oh just poor so so i feel so bad for poor you guys. now but uh no, Grant. I'm saying this because I'm saying this because I'm jealous. All right, I wanted the job. Yeah, I tried for the job. So I completely applied for it. It
0: was part. completely a wrong career choice for. I like I see those guys like, and I'm like, why didn't I do that job? Like I yeah. see my cousin them on Instagram, like in their deadlifting, hanging out, like on their days that aren't crazy, and I'm like, like I remember running calls, going to report like doing reports, and I'm like. Yeah, that was a terrible decision. Those guys definitely made their they were definitely the smart ones when they came out. And no one's ever unhappy to see a fireman. So, no one's almost ever happy. You know, very few people are happy to see the, you know, the police when they pull up, but every time a fireman shows up, I was like, "Yay!"
1: Yeah, you know, yep, absolutely. It was funny. Yeah, no one no one necessarily calls 911 because they're having a good day. Um, no. you know, and they don't—they definitely don't want to ask you about how your day is going. Like, they could give two shits less. No, they're no. just like, you know, hey, no. you know, you know, this came from a, a couple of drownings and shootings. That's yeah. not their problem. They're cats in the tree. These these intestines were on my inside, and now they're on my outside. What should I do? It's like, well, I guess we should yeah. put them back inside. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You got any super glue? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. So, all right. So, so you do law enforcement now. How did you get into competition shooting, and how much crap? Do you either give or get from all your law enforcement buddies about being a competition shooter?
0: So both, but luckily I have enough experience and stuff and all now, where I can back it up. So, so I started out shooting in competition, like, and I did some internal stuff in law enforcement, and I was winning, right? And I'm like, oh, like, and I was practicing my own, and I shot around, like, i had been fortunate enough to go around my dad's, grow up around my dad's partners who were SWAT guys and old school guys and that kind of stuff. And some of my buddies, and I'm like, man, like, I got it going on. Like, I am really good at this. And I go to competitions, and I meet meet our good buddy, Les Pepperoni, of all people, you know. Les, the good old Pepperoni, and he's coming to my jiu-jitsu. And he's like, yeah, come shoot some competition with me, dude. And you know Les, he's like a nice guy in the world. I software tech, you know, software guy, IT. I go there with him, um, and then he's there. You know, Matt Olencheck, you know, angry Matt's walking around, mad about, you know, who knows God knows what, um, something stupid. And then, you know, Kyle's there. We all know Kyle, so Kyle's there. Good old Kyle, as I call him. And, uh, you know, Kyle's a poker player and a boat captain. I'm like, all right, cool. And I'm like, like a little mini-match, you know, in Sarasota. And I'm like, and I'm like, what the hell was that? Like. Did they hit anything? And you go, it's like alpha, 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 alpha Charlie. Oh shit! Like ah, three Charlies on that. And I'm like, bro, <laughs> I suck at shooting. Like, I didn't know this existed. So, I always tell people, you know, you, you don't surround yourself with the best. You don't know what's out there. It's the same thing with jujitsu. It's the same thing with MMA. Same thing. Anything to do with life. So the best trigger pullers in the world, as far as shooting. In action sports, are USPSA and IPA guys, and three gun guys, and guys who shoot competition and shoot for gun companies for a living. That are the that's the best shooters in the world, as far as pulling a trigger. So, but if you don't know that, you know, you would just one assumes it's you know, oh, it's law enforcement, it's, it's military, it's this and that, and it's it's not generally speaking. Now there are some there are unicorns and there are guys who shoot really really well, but generally speaking, law enforcement, military operators have to be really good at a lot of stuff and shooting, especially for law enforcement. Most units, it's not a focus. Like, I can tell you, like, I was in narcotics on ERT and everything at the same time in a big agency. who was very well-funded. And I trained twice a month. And that was with ERT and narcotics. We got extra training. So that was two specialty units. And that's two days a month. And patrol guys and regular guys would go to training four days a year. Yep, Four days a year, two every six months. One day is shooting. And the shooting day is not like, you know, Some there's some great instructors and there's some that went through the 40-hour course and then went through a 40-hour instructor course and they got 80 hours of not efficient training. And now they're teaching their bad habits to guys who don't know any better. So... That's how I got into competition shooting. Like, I was lucky enough to be humble and be like, these guys are way better than me. Way better than me. I need to come here and start shooting with these guys and learn how to apply this to my job. And, you know, everybody, you know, when I'm shooting now, I I always make sure to emphasize that, like, when I'm teaching in classes or where the case may be. Like, yeah, tactics-wise, it may came from other classes. It may came from classes with guys like Dave Benton. You know, Boone from Benghazi, Dave Boone Benton, um, who's the man. He's my favorite instructor I've ever had. So I've been, like, super fortunate to shoot some, like, amazing tactical instructors as well. And those guys also go out and shoot competition. I mean, some of these guys are, like, you know, Boone's a former GRS, CIA contractor, multiple years in the Marine Corps, um, in special operations, you know, units attached. And he's going and teaching, you know, special activity center guys in the CIA how to shoot. And he even talks about going to USBSA competitions and having you know 19 year old girls beat him in a competition because they're just like shoot shoot like and you know because they're that that's their world you know we're doing a lot of different things so the best shooters in the world are there just like the best fighters in the world are going to be in MMA the best grapplers are going to be in ADCC and IBJJF so you know there's just if you get out and get exposed to it you know you learn how much the world opens up so fortunately i went with them and i was humble and started hanging around them and then monday night mini match turned into you know local matches and level twos and states and then started throwing my hat in the ring at nationals and then my goal was to start at the bottom just completely start start at d work my way to c class Um, try to get close to winning that class at nationals and then progress up and just take Baby steps at a time, all the way till eventually when I reached GM. So I started at D, worked up to C, won nationals and C, like production. So then moved up to B, and then, then started creeping up to A. And now my goal is to do really well in those, you know, divisions and keep learning from the guys and start creeping, uh, you know, progress up, you know, as I continue shooting on at M and, and GM. And then did the same thing. IDPA started out lower, now I've worked way to masters, now I've won some state titles, and now my goal is to go out and try to get. Some national titles at the at the next higher level at the master level and stuff. So, so um,
1: what? So what's your <laughs> classification now for USPSA?
0: Uh, A for most stuff like limited. I like shooting limited um, the most. Uh, I shoot um, some PCC and stuff and all. Well, I think um, okay, I'm not classified in everything. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> and, uh, like, reason, I've got P I've got
1: some... two JPs in my in my safe right now. As I was now. about
0: to say, I think I saw you <laughs> at nationals running around some really sexy pants i will give you just shooting the shit out have a pcc um but but we'll, we'll we'll look at those later but i do like running the pcc because i run a rifle mainly at work mm-hmm. you know if i'm running a handgun and in a specialty unit it's probably a really bad day um or it's a special type of operation and i'm still they got a car being closed so um so i like running pcc it keeps me sharp you know, moving and stuff with a, with a long gun, even though it has a 9 mil carbine, still moving with it and transitions. And, you mm-hmm. know, and some of it's applicable to CQB. So, um, uh, so I'm that there, and I'm classified in production and a couple other things. I had to go back and look and see. And then in IDPA, I'm a I'm master in IDPA. So in, in uh, CCP, ESP, and Bug. So I shoot a lot of IDPA, too, um, just because there's some good local matches around me, Ryan Hand, is the match director over in Lakeland in our area, and he always puts on a badass, like, even if it's a level one match. Like, shooting out a car, you're shooting swingers, you feel like you're at, like, a level three IDPA match. So, you know how that is. Match director makes the match, man. So, we got a great match director. He makes yeah. the matches fun. So, he tends to draw you there. So.
1: Right on, yeah. A, you know, A is a very... um B is full of sandbaggers is what I found right B is like that nice happy place where where you can be an a class shooter um, but not ever get bumped up and just beat the crap out of b B shooters but a a is a different beast because a is when you're at, at as a at least for my personal experience um, I plateaued the worst at a class like there was just I was I had learned some stuff I'd pick some stuff up I'd take some training. Um, and I just continued to try and work, but it was like the jump from A to master to Grandmaster was you know from from D class to A class, it was funny because you could put in an hour's worth of work to gain five percent of skill, yeah. right and then and then once you get up to a, like an hour's worth of work gains you one percent of skill yeah and then and then to get into that master and grandmaster. 1 hour of work will get you like 0.01% improvement yeah. and yeah. you just you've got to keep adding those 0.01% until you get to the top, you know, uh, 5 and 10% and um a is where i found out that like okay, i i basically need to just stop trying um to succeed and rather not be afraid of maybe going into the wall but pushing myself a little bit harder like i I had to get comfortable being uncomfortable with my draw speed my reload speed maybe transitions and and game plans and stuff like that but um it was so funny because i plateaued in a plateaued in a plateaued in a and then all of a sudden when i made that connection of like okay you know what screw it like i'm just gonna go for it like every classifier that i shoot i'm just gonna go balls to the wall spray and pray like let's make things happen you know kind of thing and I I hung out in master class for, I think, like, two months before I jumped up. Oh, to wow. it, it was like a So you were a quick monk, yeah. But it was it was so, like, I was A, 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 A. And then all of a sudden, when I decided, like, okay, F it, let's go for it. It was, like, master and grandmaster. Like, uh-huh, aha. And, and at that point, I was, like, oh, man, like. I'm never gonna be an A class again. Like
2: yeah, <laughs> everything like like, that I did...
1: go back. Yeah, I am automatically a master if I decide to shoot a do a brand new production or a brand new division. Like yeah. I, I went to um.
0: I've never touched a revolver, and I'm a master somehow. This is this yeah. make sense. <laughs>
1: yeah. Like I, so, I you know the most recent uh, humbling experience for me was Carry Optics Nationals last year. Um, and not to say that I, I'm, I don't think I'm a good shooter, because I I, I I like to call myself, like, the world's most okayest shooter, right? Like, i have <laughs> I've got a top three finish at USPSA Single Stack Nationals, so I know that I can I can do well. But uh, I'm not, like, an elite GM. Like, I, I consider elite GMs people like Rob Latham, JJ Ricasa, Nils Joneson, Eric Grafell. You know, these are guys that they show up and... and they're just you know you're like okay they, they, they
0: hang out at eighty five percent of their own speed to decide like what they need to do
1: almost. yeah yeah exactly yeah, like, right like yeah. they they know how to like put you in your place when it's time to put you in your place right. and they they can almost like laugh while they're doing it yeah, um so they're so good yeah so yeah good. so so to get to that level of GM you know for me was like okay well this you know here here's where I am and, and whatnot but uh, it, it was just so funny how how quickly that transpired for me as far as just being like well and and, and now i'm grandmaster i'll never be anything less than an m before but uh so anyway i, sh- I show up at carry nationals and you know all the uspsa matches i've gone to i've always in uh, generally yeah, maybe top 20 or something like that it's kind of my goal right, right. like uh, well my, my first goal is to get through the match like completely and safely yeah and then after that it's trying to do you know top 20 dude Carry Optics Nationals. I don't know where the hell these people came out from. Like they just just decided to freaking come out of their little cubby hole, you know, and show up at a match. I was embarrassed with my finish so much so that I I don't even like I think I've blocked out the memory of it. It's either I block it's either I blocked it out or I just drank too much because I was so depressed with how badly I did. But say
0: the same thing.
1: But I, I'll say me, this though. you want me to look
0: it up for you? You want me to jump on Score and look it oh, up? Oh, dude, for you? I, I think. You're
1: good. You're, okay. I want to say good. I think I was ninety sixth. <laughs> like I got oh, my yeah. ass whooped, okay. right. Yeah. But I'll say this too about that match. Um,
0: some of us, that's still a good finish overall. Three hundred something really great shooters though. So yeah, and and here, here's where, where that credit.
1: here's where that match differed from everything I've seen else. You
0: shoot single stack and win. So
1: yeah, so here here's where that match differed from all the other matches. All the other matches like. You might get twenty grandmasters and like fifty masters. Right. Carry Optics Nationals. Half of the match was masters and grandmasters. There was like four hundred something slots, so there was over a hundred masters and a hundred grandmasters at that match alone, right? And that was just so freaking humbling. But the other thing too, and and, and not to try and say like oh, nice cop out. I don't shoot a dot. Like I, I like shooting dots. They're fun, but I don't go and train and like, uh, let's put it this way. I realized one of the reasons why I'm so slow with a dot is cause I don't feel comfortable pulling the trigger when the dot is not in the center of the window. Like I'm I'm still trying to line the dot up to the center versus being like, okay, it's in the A zone, pull the trigger. It doesn't matter that it's on the right side of the window. Like my brain wants to bring that dot back to the center of the window before I pull the trigger. And that was what I found out about carry optics when I shot. So, so while I didn't know what to expect when I was going in there, I mean, I I definitely knew I wasn't going to win, but I was, I was excited about figuring out what, what I was going to learn from that match, and that was right. something that I learned, you know, very quickly, was when I, when it comes to shooting a dot, like man, you gotta you gotta have faith that the bolt's gonna go where the dot is. So just put the dot on the target, and it doesn't mean that the target has to be in the center of the window. It just means that the dot's gotta be in the center of the target before you pull the trigger and stuff. So, so I I walked away from there with a very humbled spirit, <laughs> along with a whole bunch of other spirit in my liver. <laughs> yeah, but um. Yeah it was just it was a good like it was almost kind of refreshing to to get my ass kicked so badly not to say that I haven't gotten my ass kicked my whole career uh, cuz when you're best friend with Nils Jonasson and you like shoot matches with him all the time and you like make it a point yeah, to be like I yeah. wonder I wonder how I do against Nils now like I'm I'm when used you're to You're hoping my to finish points. in 10%? Yeah like well I'm always like uh we always used to have a joke when the first time I ever shot with Nils was that area too and we used to squad together for area two every year after that and the next year i i made a comment to him that i was like dude i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you on a stage one stage i'm gonna get you and he was like "Ho ho ho, yeah right well i beat him on sure. one stage right so then the next year i told him i was like all right two stages that's the goal and sure enough i was able to beat him on two stages and by the by the next year he was like dude i'm not letting you beat me three stages and i beat him on three stages right and Perfect. and the thing i the joke i always told nils is like dude and like Nine or ten more years, I'm winning this match. <laughs> if I, I just got to keep that trend going. Why just beat you? Keep that you. progression yeah. going. I just got to beat you on a stage a year, you know. But uh, so, uh, but no, it was it was such a good, uh, refreshing experience to to just like i say it, it kind of uh reignited the fire in me to be like all right we i got some work to do like there's right i've been kind of coasting a little bit i've 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 done well but again i've kind of plateaued like i'm just not i'm not putting in the hours and, and the work behind the gun and 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 pulling the truth that
0: humbling is that humbling is key i mean it's it happened to me when i first went that's what got me in the competition shooting luckily i wasn't like you know, that's the problem with a lot of cops and, you know, as far as not going to jujitsu or not going into shooting, um, they don't want to go to jujitsu or shooting and have some dude who's maybe 60 pounds overweight that works at Bank of America just whip their ass, like, handily. And, you know, or a software engineer come out that's like, just as nice, like, you know, guy that doesn't really like he works out and just be like, just smoke it, you know, and just smoke it. So, you know, you gotta gotta get yourself humbled. I mean, that's why I go down, like, talking about going down to Miami, going down there with my buddy, you know, his name is G. And he's, he's a former professional Muay Thai guy who was, you know, 19 fights, fought in Thailand. Like, this guy is the man when it comes to striking. Um, so every time I'm like, man, you know, running out of people in the area to strike with. And, you know, I got my coach, you know, and Stefan always coached me. And I got my other coach, you know, who's got 35 pro fights. But... You know, I'm just, you know, other than them helping me, I'm running out people to strike with. And I go down there and get my ass hooked by him in Muay Thai. And, you know, he just dings me around for three rounds. I'm like, okay, now I see. And he's like, yeah, you're doing this, you're doing that. Because he's so good at it. He's identifying stuff I'm not doing. But that's how I go get, you know, that's how I go get better. same reason why every chance I get, I go out and shoot with, like, Les or Kyle. You know, because Les is a GM and a DM. And, you know, distinguished master and IPA because he's won nationals. And, um... Kyle's always way up there, and everything he shoots at, and um, you know, same with Les. So I like going and shooting those guys because they're gonna shoot better than me, and they're better shooters than me. So I can go, and same thing, like you just said, like when I go to a match with Les, I start being like, all right, got four chances tonight, try and beat you on one, like, and then and without you messing up with me just straight here, and then that's my goal is to, you know, progress from there and just slowly do the same thing in MMA, you know, same thing in shooting, like. It's all all the same concept. So that homely, those it's it's important. It's
1: important, I think. And and I think you hit the nail on the head because I I've had so many interactions with law enforcement officers um, that show up at a match. They would get squatted with me because so back in Vegas when I was there, I was um, I was helped with with a lot of the matches. And whenever we had a new shooter come in, the guy that put the match on, Pete Rensing. Uh, would squad him with a an, an experienced shooter so that we could keep our eyes on them, make sure they understood all the rules, if they had any questions they could ask and stuff. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many law enforcement officers showed up to shoot their first local match, get paired with me. I'd shoot my first stage, and then when they'd come up, and they'd be like, so what do you do for a living? Are you are you ex-military? Or it's be like, no, I'm an EMT. Like, wait, you're an EMT? Like, what'd you do before that? Uh, before that, I worked as a lifeguard at the pool's. Well, what about after that? I work at Starbucks. You know, it's like, so, so you never, like, you don't carry a gun for a living? No. Like, what the? And their pride and their ego gets bruised so badly because they just got their ass whooped by a 24-year-old, you know, like, uh, EMT that doesn't carry a gun for a living that they never show up again. And and for me it was it was always puzzling because like you said, like I'm I'm one of those guys. When I when I went to the match, when I went to a local match for the first time, there was a guy there named Ray Witham that shot. And I watched him shoot because first I heard him shoot. He was shooting open and so it was like da, 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 da. and I'm just like who the hell is yeah, that? Like, and is he hitting anything, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I went and like seeked out who it was and basically my only goal every week was to try to get on that guy's squad. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't to watch him. Like, even though that helped, like I wasn't just like, Oh, he pulls the trigger really fast. It's a lot of fun to watch. It was more like, dude, that's the guy that's whooping everybody's ass. That's the guy I need to be hanging around talking to. What can and... I learn from him? Exactly. Yeah. Like, I want to ask questions. I want to figure out what, what is going on in his brain. And can he transfer that information over to me? So I've always been that kind of person that like, yeah, when I find someone that's better at something that I want to get better at, I I'm on their hip. I'm the annoying little dog that just won't leave yep. them alone. Like, hey, 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 what were you doing here? How'd you do that? I mean, ask Mills. <laughs> <you> yeah. <laughs> but but uh, now Grant Mills. Uh, I didn't hang out with Mills just because of his shooting. He was a good guy, but um, yeah, you know there there is, and and now we're but it helps. He's one the
0: best pistol shooters ever shooting. So yeah,
1: that's, yeah, that's and also I'm, very. And, and I think though, there's also certain people that. And when we talk about that, like, elite GM status, you know, I think there's some people that they can just do things that, you know, the, the rest of us mortals just can't and, and can't figure out right. how. Um, Nils can explain to me what he sees, what he thinks, how he executes stage plans or execution of the trigger pull and all that. Kind of, but I, it feels like sometimes just the way he processes information is so much faster and his confidence is so much greater that I'm just not there. And no matter how hard I try, like, you know, I just have a hard time getting to that next level. Um Taron Butler, another dude like the guy just like pulls a gun oh, out of a yeah. holster and just starts blasting just about away, right? Time. Yeah. So I, I mean, what kind of person just decides to like, hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go shoot a plate rack at uh, 12 yards from the hip and yep. under in under two seconds? Like, hey, watch
2: this. Oh, that
1: was awesome. Like, I tried. Uh, let me tell you, I tried shooting a full size ipsic steel target at seven yards from the hip. It took me six shots to even get really like i i ended up like you and i both because
0: i saw that i saw that on impossible shots and i'm like i gotta go try that
1: yeah you know and and that's just something that like you know it doesn't like i'm sure i can practice it don't get me wrong i know i can practice it but i highly doubt i'll ever get to the point where i'm clearing a plate rack in under two seconds from the hip you know stuff like that so i just kind of learned to you know take my losses take my ass whippings and and run with my tail tucked between my legs but (laughs) that's the thing that kind of happens, but all right. So, so you get into competition shooting, you're starting to shoot a little bit more and, and then what is it like being with your, your law enforcement buddies? Like, because I got to assume it's, it's one thing when a law enforcement guy shows up and gets his ass kicked and then never returns because everyone else wasn't a cop and stuff. But like, I got to feel that maybe, when you are approaching your buddies on the force and being like, "You got to come with me to this match. You got to come meet some of these guys and see what they can do," they they probably have a little bit more of a of an understanding, of like, "All right, yeah, I'll go get my ass kicked with you," like you know, kind of thing. But do you feel like maybe that's a a, a plus side to or, or one of the benefits to being a guy that shoots competitively and is able to try and bring some of these police officers? Because I mean, like like you said, like. You know, it's all about training and and when you can get good trainers and stuff, but also being around just great shooters can help you improve because you can watch their movement. I mean, it's not always about pulling like everyone thinks that shooting being a faster or a good shooter is about how quickly can you physically pull the trigger? But the fact is, it's. Man, pulling the trigger, we only pull the trigger as fast as we can pull the trigger to confirm that we we're going right. to get a good hit, right? What we're doing faster is the draw. We're doing the reloads. We're doing the movement. We're doing the transitions. You know, all, all that stuff is faster. And when you're you're just you're, doing the
0: basics, way more efficient. Yeah, when you're when you're a tenth, when you're talking about
1: time. a when you're talking about a tenth of a second, that doesn't seem like a lot. And I used to make fun of people that talked about, oh, I lost two tenths here, and I, that reload cost me three tenths and stuff like that. Until it was brought to my attention, like, okay, well, you're you think a tenth of a second doesn't matter but but shoot 100 shots a tenth of a second slower than someone how many seconds are you down it's like yeah,
0: 10 seconds well, I'm down yeah. 10
1: seconds they're like yeah exactly so are you ready stand by beep stand there for 10 seconds and then start shooting that's that's what a tenth of a second over a, a match can be right you know um so there's there's a lot that can be said about being in in that kind of environment and understanding, you know, a tenth of a second, enough tenths of a second will equal seconds and enough seconds equal minutes and all that kind of stuff. Um, and from a law enforcement side, like I said, like yeah, I I've, I know back in Vegas, too. Yeah, the um, Highway Patrol, I had friends that were on Highway Patrol. They were allocated 30 is it 32 or 36 rounds a year from the from their agency. So if they wanted to go out and train, they they can go out and train all they wanted, but they had to buy their own bullets. The only bullets that they were given by their department were was specifically to qualify. Yeah, you know, and yep. like you're just like, okay. So, now, granted, the the flip side to that argument is always like, well, it's not like the movies. Cops aren't pulling their guns out every shift and shooting people and and all that kind of stuff. And and that's obviously you know way blown out. But but I almost feels like, you know. I I practiced CPR a lot when I was getting certified. Mm-hmm. I didn't do CPR every shift, but God damn it. Nope. When I had to do CPR, I better make sure that I was doing gonna, it correctly.
0: That's what your job <laughs> is. That's what you're, you're paid to do. I mean, you think those guys that just smoked that, uh, active the, shooter up in Nashville. Nashville?
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. Shoot 30 something. No, those dudes, that guy pulled out a, like a, like a, I couldn't tell, it would count. like, it looked, it was a it was a nicer AR with, like, a vortex razor on it and was running in, and ta- that guy does not shoot 30-something rounds a year, right. okay? That's why that response was freaking fantastic and as good as those guys could have possibly done. They came in, they went right to shooting, which I can tell you, when you hear shots fire and you're running towards it, that is not normal. That is something you were like, whoa, it is cognitively, like, shit. And then, you know, because law enforcement is not like – it's not like some of these guys that, you know, are in special operations go for a six-month tour. Like, you know, I've had instructors that have been like, yeah, I did a six-month tour, you know, had 180 contacts in six months. Like, that's one a day. Like, insanity, you know. So it gets passed over in law enforcement a lot because some guys go their whole career, never find a shot. Some guys fire a bunch. You know, it depends on where they work, what units they are, all that kind of good stuff. So, um but
2: yeah, and, and it, I like feel everybody, like everybody, it...
0: everybody needs to be freaking good at it. Cause that's lives at stake when you're going to freaking do it. When you pull your gun out, like it's, it, it could be as simple as, you know, just prepping the, just prepping the trigger and getting out of it, getting in it. Like, and, and also it's the confidence because guys now, like I go to talk to, that's the biggest thing I'm going to address in like my, my dissertation. And, you know, I'm definitely going to piss a lot of, um, like upper management and stuff and law enforcement off and some old school guys, but there's a lot of people that just straight up applaud it too. Like, um, because it's stuff that is just egregiously been going on for years that someone needs to talk about and we need to address. Um, just damn Like that's, that's, that's your profession. Like you were a professional, like you need to be adequate at everything and we're not, you know, so why not go out and get, your own training, and a lot of guys, you know, it sucks. It's money, it's time, it's and, and a lot of guys aren't gun guys. You know, they're they're, mm-hmm. they're law enforcement. There's military, like they're not gun guys. You know, they just simply aren't, which to people just blows their minds. But I can tell them, that there's a lot of guys that aren't gun guys. There's cops that really are not proficient at all with it, as far as like maybe other outside their duty gun, taking it down and cleaning it, putting it back together like they're shown the you know, once a year or something. And That's it. They're really not proficient with the nomenclature the you know just the whole deal so it's just they're not there's not a the standard of it is very ebb and flow and generally speaking it's it's pretty low um especially law enforcement side on on shooting and that kind of stuff so it's something that but that's something that the upper management needs to take into account and make it easier for their guys to get access to because guys are working 84 hours, you know, every couple of weeks, sometimes those two weeks, you know, those, those days suck. They're hard. Um, so, you know, they, they just don't want to, and, and you can't really blame them at a point where there's like, man, I'm exhausted or I don't have the extra money or whatever the case is. Cause they're not making shit. So you get that, you know, they don't have money for ammo. They don't have money for this. I mean, there's ways they can dry fire and do other things and go out and seek it. Um, so I always tell them like, that's, That is true to an extent, but it's also bullshit a little bit so everybody can take their own responsibility. But upper management and law enforcement need to do a drastically better job of of budgeting and training and bringing in outside trainers. Like take, you know, like who are our best operators in the world, like our tier one guys. What do they do? They go on deployments for two or three months and then they train for two or three months. And who instructs them? Their own guys to bring it all together, of course, because they're the best there is. But who teaches them how to shoot guns? Competition shooters. Who teaches them how to fight? MMA fighters. Who teaches them how to drive cars? Professional like race car and, and track drivers. Like they're taught by the best, and that each individual, and then they pull what they can need, and then they blend it into mm. what they need. Um, that's not what happens, in in law enforcement. So, yeah, no, not not at, at all. all.
1: And and yes, like like you said, I've I've had. Uh... I had the pleasure of uh, of doing some training with the North Las Vegas SWAT officers uh, a while back, and yeah, it was it was very much like I almost to the point, like even to the point I showed up in my goofy ass pants and my shooting jersey.
0: I would expect nothing less if you would have showed up and not in the pants. I would have been very upset.
1: (laughs) See, but I did it for a reason, and the reason that I did it was to let those officers understand and realize, like, look, guys. I don't know jack shit about tactics. I don't know jack shit about any of that, okay? I don't I don't run into to buildings with with shots being fired. I don't have to clear rooms. I don't none of that crap has to pertain to me. I play a game. So this is the outfit that I wear when I'm playing my game and I'm going to show you how I play my game. What I want you guys to do is keep your mind open enough to just learn about the game. And then after we're done, what you do is you can go, okay, I liked what he said about this. I liked what he said about that. I liked what he said about that. The rest of it is garbage. We are not going to use it. So we're just going to push that off to the side because it's not pertinent to my job. Not to say that it's garbage. Like, they'll never use it because they might use it down the road if they decide to play the game. But, yeah, it was like, okay, well, you know. He made some points about us being kind of slow on getting the gun out of the holster. So that's something we need to start incorporating is let's get a little bit more faster with our draw times. Let's get faster with our reload times. Let's get faster with our our split times. Let's let's not just automatically go to a double tap. Hey, I have no clue where that second shot went, but let's actually be accountable every time we pull the trigger that we know here's what my sights look yep. like. And, you know, because that's, that's the biggest thing that I think people – Uh, especially the general public don't understand is like, you know, you're talking about it's when a cop has to pull his gun out and potentially save a life, man, it's, it's not just about his life or the life of the immediate. If he misses and that bullet goes flying through walls and hits an innocent bystander, that's another life that could potentially be taken. Like, you know, every time you pull the trigger, you got to be accountable to where that bullet's going, because that's your bullet. That's your responsibility, you know, kind of going up the barrel. So, um, Yeah, and it it just shocks me. Yeah, I've had conversations with police officers before. I've been like, so, so what gun do you carry? And they go, oh, it's a Glock 9. really i didn't know glock made a model nine yeah
0: (laughs) i mean well yeah do you know how many rounds it holds i don't know how many uh, i don't know how many bullets the clip holds you're like all right we're done talking
1: yeah exactly Like like, i've been like uh you know what can you do me a favor if if i'm ever in a hostage situation and you're the guy that responds just don't don't shoot i'll take my chances with the dude holding me hostage yeah (laughs) yeah
0: i'll i'll take a chance i might survive
1: other hand i'm definitely dead and that's that's a a shitty thing that that is is reality
0: it is and you know there's a it's the same thing if we look at um you know jiu-jitsu and we go hands-on all the time in law enforcement so we should have extremely experienced guys coming in teaching jiu-jitsu and the jiu-jitsu instruction i would dare to say is worse than the firearms instruction and it, it, it's just it's it's just it's like they're teaching you ways to get your ass kicked and it's like this looks great in the book we're gonna do this armbar to wrist lock i'm like yeah go grab a pissed off big old drunk guy and go him and go say i'm gonna we're gonna put you in the escort position sure i'm like he's gonna turn around and dump you on your ass if he wants to mm-hmm. like you are relying on the badge and compliance and hoping that a hell of a lot of your buddies get there really quick like and that's why you see some of the issues like some of the big high profile things you see of course the media's generally going to be full of shit um and they just strap lie, but they and they turn everything into, into race and this and that and a lot of it just comes back to when i've seen it it's been like uh it was just really bad training that was just a lack of confidence that was just you know why did the guy you know why did he go to a gun when the guy didn't have anything in his hands because he's scared he's gonna get his ass whooped. the guy doesn't know anything about fighting he knows nothing about the jitsu and it's one-on-one with a dude who wants to beat his ass and he's trained, oh, the guy gets on top of you and he's pounding you, like, that's a life or death. And he knows, like, he can't take that guy. Like, he's already lost a fight. Like, yeah. there's not guys that are willing to step up. Like, they took boxing out of our academies down here because they were worried about injuries and lawsuits. If you can't get punched in the face, go get a different job. Like, you would, like, if you, if you can't, like, I don't, you don't need to be able to go in there and box Tyson Fury or, you know, Maybe to my extent, we're going and becoming a professional fighter, like nowhere near that. But if you can't get punched in the nose without crying or saying you've never done it, or actually, or if you've never punched someone or been punched, you need to go do it. If you've never had a pissed-off guy trying to tap you, you need to do it because you have no idea what you're doing. Like they spray us with OC spray, but they can't punch us in the face with a boxing glove, like, <laughs> like. That makes absolutely no sense to me, so yeah, it's bad man. I mean, there's guys going on their own that are great there's guys there's a lot of guys on Instagram that are trying to push it and it's it's well known amongst people um and it's something that they just they have to address um you know there's the you know 'cause you know we need to be professionals in every you know every aspect um you know at least the minimum proficiencies need to be greatly improved upon, which means the budgets need to increase. The training needs to increase. The quality of training needs to increase. They need guys. There is, you know, not saying there's GMs around every corner, but there is a lot of GMs out there who are always law enforcement supporters who I guarantee you will go do just what you did and go teach SWAT and patrol guys at their local agencies. I guarantee you could, you know, you could hit up JJ right now. I mean, he comes from a law enforcement background. I mean, obviously he's married to a badass cop and, you know, he was a fed himself. So, um. You know, of course, you think of him, but I guarantee you, you could call somebody as well known as JJ or or Niels or one of these guys and you can 100 percent get them to come in and teach and teach the instructors, at least, and let the instructors understand. So the instructors can then regurgitate it back down the line. And because if you think like I hear all the time, like, oh, that's a game. Man. It's going to it's going to it's going to be a negative on my tactics. If shooting get you killed on the street. Tactics, yeah, if shooting competition makes your tactics worse, then your tactics suck, and you need to improve your tactics. That's not the point of it. We're ninety something percent of what we're doing, stress inoculation. We have a timer. Your friends are watching, like you're re- like, which is the most stressful part because you want to beat your buddies. Like you're reloading on the move, shooting on the move, target identification. Oh, that's a no shoot. Oh, that's a shoot. Oh, there's a headshot. Oh, there's a thirty-five yard swinger. Coming back into, like if you were in a hallway in an active shooter situation, the guy's pulling back into between in the hallway firing rounds at you. Oh, here's a really close shot. Like all of that is applicable. I will 100% argue all day long, and I've never had a quality instructor disagree that probably in the estimates of 90% of what we do in competition shooting is applicable. So, other than running out and not pieing, and guess what? Sometimes we will just run. Like you saw those guys in Nashville, what did they do? They heard shots, They had no idea how many shooters were in there. They had a guess, but they didn't know. They heard shots, they sprinted. If one of them got hit, then the other guys with them would have turned and returned fire and they would have dealt with the problem right then. But they went right to it. They weren't clearing. They started coming in clearing. They heard shots, boom, they went. They left and then they went back and cleared. So, you know, which is great because that's exactly what you need to do in those situations. And we've seen all the issues and the terrible responses that we've had. And now agencies are starting to train that and improve on, which was great. Um, but it, it, it takes, it's just, they just got to do so much more, so much more for these guys and girls that are like going out there. Like I just, I know like, like the search warrant I was just on the other day and I was talking to some of the guys and I'm just sitting there thinking like, man, like, you know, I've got 10 years in now as a cop, a lot of competition shooting, obviously the MMA and a lot of fighting and I'm still uncomfortable, like, because you can get unlucky, somebody can get the drop on you, like, the battlefield, a battlefield is never equal, like, somebody can, you know, get the drop, you can make a mistake, I'm always nervous, and I'm like, how scared would I be, if I'm one of these brand new guys who came out, who went through the academy, and has almost no shooting training, no DT training, and I have to go in, and, and go to calls, like, and all these unknowns, like, I would be like, what do i like i would just be completely like just yeah, know, overloaded Have no idea. What to do. overloaded like i'm not prepared for this and a lot of them may not admit it but they they think they're not prepared and when they're not prepared and they are not confident you're going to see issues like people without guns getting shot and some of the stuff that's been blown up in the media as other things and really just comes down to bad training or lack of training and again, too, it's one of those things where some of these guys coming out and girls, it's not even their fault. They don't know. They think their instructor is like, he's an instructor. He's got to be great. They don't know any better that he's actually not worth a damn at shooting, or he's not actually worth a damn at the DT that they're teaching them. They don't know, because there's this culture of, like, keeping everything internal. That's so dumb to me. Ab- like, branch out. like. And, and not- the
1: other thing that I, I can't stand, yeah. too, and you talked about it a little bit earlier, is like, Oh well, I, I'm a certified NRA instructor. I don't give a damn what your piece of paper says. Let me watch you yeah. shoot, and then I'll tell you whether or not you know. That's what like you're being talking a
0: certified cross, CrossFit instructor. Like I know some guys who are badasses in the gym, and then you see other guys who are like, I'm a certified this, that, and CrossFit, and I'm like, you're fat. How? That's like, you on online, Instagram like, <laughs> yeah, like, or or they're like they're overweight. I'm like, how? Like, so you did like an online certification? I'm like. You know, like, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's a culture, man. It's got to be improved on. There's a lot of things that got to be improved, you know, because there's a lot of really guys, I mean, most law enforcement are going to be, are there for the right reasons. And if the shit goes down, they're going to do their damnedest. But if they're not given the tools and the training, the tactics to know how to effectively handle it, it's just up in the air. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to citizens. It's not fair to anybody. So that's uh well you know what i think
1: i think this whole uh persona or this this whole culture shift that's going on of like oh you know um oh they 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 pepper spray their recruits that's just so cruel like you said it's almost one of those things like you know what you you know it's funny because to be a law enforcement officer you you have to have a clean background right right and yet man I kind of feel like if I was going to have a law enforcement officer, not, not to say that I want a criminal to be a law enforcement officer, but I do want a guy that's been through some shit because he's probably going to be way more squared away in a high intensity situation, having to be the guy that, man, I used to get in fights all the time as a kid. I used to do this, you know, like that. They've got some street knowledge. They got some experience and then they get the job, you know, versus being yep. like, Oh, well, I, I went to church every Sunday and a uh, youth group on every Wednesday. And I was a straight eight man. That's not the badass that I need coming to no. kick down my door. You know, I don't I, need him.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't like all this stuff now. Like I like, and I am like, I'm getting my doctor. So I'm obviously huge on education and I would like to see more education in law enforcement and a higher pay and higher level professionalisms. But when the shit goes down, like if you're in a domestic and you've got, or 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 if your sister is somehow for, or or a loved one is, you know, dating a shithead and they need help, like who do you want coming to the door? Somebody who looked great on paper because they have high test scores and a philosophy degree or some shit like that, or do you, or or you know that that walks in and is all you know perfectly clean cut and blah blah. blah. And they walk into HR, law enforcement, and like, oh, here's a job. Yeah, you're going to be great. You're going to talk fantastic, and that is important. But when the shit gets real, and then they see a guy come in that's like, you know, works out, he's tatted up, he's got time in, you know, the military, but he had a couple scruffs and blah blah blah. They're like, oh, HR is like, oh no, no, he's he's aggressive. But mm-hmm. when shit goes down, that's the guy they want. That's
1: yeah, exactly. the guy everybody
0: yeah, exactly. wants. When, stuff, when that shit was going on in Nashville, they did not want somebody who no was No one just called there. a grief counselor. A, <laughs> no, they didn't want a grief counselor. They wanted a bad dude who knew how to shoot and knew how to fight and was willing to put his line ahead of everybody else's and bust through that door with a rifle and shoot that piece of shit in the face and put them down before they hurt any more innocent kids or teachers. And that's exactly what they got, thankfully. They don't want the guy. Who wants to, like, to Let's call them and talk about you know their feelings and let's see or you know when i get to a domestic and they're arguing and he's you know they're shoving back 2 let's try no when he gets out of control you have lost your ability to control the situation so as an adult you're back to being a child as far as when you have to call the cops and spend your neighbors and your community's tax dollars to send a professional to your home or wherever you're at to handle situation, you have lost your adultness. So if I tell you to shut the fuck up and sit on the ground, that's exactly what you do. You have lost the control. Of it. You can't. You can't need to call 911 and be like, "Oh no, you can't talk to me like that. I'm an adult." Then you shouldn't have had to call the police. Yeah. Shut your mouth and sit down and listen. You go here. You go here. That kind of like, and that's just what we need. Like, you know, you know. History always tends to repeat itself, and we've had a lot of easy times for a long time. It's creating a lot of weakness, and that weakness is now starting, like you said. It's been fortunate to stay out of like, but it's starting to spread into law enforcement. It's a virus, and it's starting to spread. Like they were given – the other day they were given guys at Bud's – what was it? Bud's – there was a big article about wanting instructors at Bud's to get in trouble for gassing and for – making SEALs sing happy birthday to one of the instructors while they were being gassed. Mm-hmm. We are training. They're training the most elite warfighters fighters in the yeah. world, in our nation. And we have the best warfighters in the world, in the United States. And they're training a uh, guys who are about to come out and be part of that community. And you're worried about them being too mean. Like that was wrong. Like, like shut the hell. Like, get out of that. Get, stay in your lane. Like everybody yeah. wants to poke in a lane, like get out of your lane. Just like, Oh, Boxing Academy, what if you get a small guy and you know or you know guy's kinda out of shape and you know he can't hang. Then he can't hang.
1: Yeah. Go back but, you know, get better. But the biggest thing is if if he can't hang, great. I'm going to throw his ass in the ring again, and I'm going to throw his ass, yeah. ass in the ring again. When he and eventually, can hang, one day, he's going to hang, and there's going to be right. someone else that steps in that ring that can't hang right. with the dude that couldn't hang yep. before. Like, this whole mentality yep. of, like... And if
0: he, yeah, and if he can't, and he can't handle the mental stress, then he's never going to be handling a career in law enforcement or the military yeah. or whatever it is anyway, so we better wash him out now.
1: Exactly, right? Like like I said, like yeah. you, you want someone that's going to be like, uh, that's been right. like, no, I've been through some shit, and... Here I am. I'm still a good person. I make the right choices for the most part. And that's the other thing that I think a lot of people have to remember. Just because they wear a badge doesn't make them a goddamn superhero that never makes a mistake. It makes them a human that has a job that they're going to make mistakes. They're going to have bad days. They're going to make bad decisions. You know, like that shit happens. But um, to think like, well, it takes longer to
0: to be it takes longer to become a plumber, a licensed plumber in the state of Florida that does become a law enforcement officer. Hmm. That's a problem. Right. there's yeah. a lot of trades, like like my nephew who's going to welding school right now and he wants to do welding and a bunch of stuff, and I was sitting there I'm like, SCTI, and like S C T I and like his initial school was six months. And I'm like, That's how long it took me to become a cop. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. That's a problem when you're you know, with the amount of responsibility that like we have the right to take away a person's rights. The greatest thing we have, God given rights in the United States, we have right you know, freedom. We can take that away at any moment. You know, we could potentially shoot someone and take a life at any moment. And we're going and getting ready in how long? And then we're getting how much training? Because if you figure out, you take like a, say, an agency of Florida, goes six months of training, comes out. He's only required to do however many minimum hours it is a year. Like I had to go look and see like 12 or something, like call it two days. So a guy could train, a guy could be a cop for 30 years and spend what? 60 ish days training over 30 years. Yeah. Like what? So that means in 30 years, he combined with his six months initially hit like what? Nine months of training. Like, and
1: and, you know, the other thing that I can't stand and that I hate, I think, you know, the hippies and lawyers are kind of what started the downfall of everything. I believe, uh, to an extent. And the reason is this, like the hippies were the weak ones. Now, granted, I'm not saying that, you know, but like by weak ones, I mean, they're the ones that will constantly be trying to make peace when war is what needs to happen. Right. Like you can, you can only tell someone to back away or back off so much before eventually it's just time to throw some shit down. Let's okay, fine. Let's, let's handle it. Like I've, I've tried, I've exhausted all of my uh, passive aggressive or, or whatever. Now it's time to get aggressive and I'm going to, we're going to end this shit. Right. And then lawyers, because then after you have backed up as much as you can back up into a corner and now you attack, then the lawyer comes out and goes, "Uh oh, I'll see you in court. Right. And I. I loved being an EMT when it came to helping people that really needed help. Absolutely loved it. But I thought there was something wrong with the system when. When you run a cardiac arrest call that takes an overall length of 20 minutes from the moment you get the call to the moment you drop them off in the ER, 20 minutes to to do everything. And then you have to spend an hour and a half making sure that you put the right insurance card number in and the yeah. patient's name correctly and what time did you administer. Like, don't get me wrong, I understand documentation can be important, but when the documentation being correct isn't because of the patient's well being. But because you want to get paid by the insurance company, and if there's not yep. the correct number, then the, the company is not going to make the, the money from – the insurance company is going to deny the claim because the paperwork mm-hmm. wasn't filled out correctly. There's something wrong with that shit, and that's what – that's one of the things yeah. that used to piss me off the most when I was on the yeah. ambulance was like – didn't matter like how how good of a emt way. it's like oh you, you know your paperwork keeps coming it keeps getting bounced back with mistakes and stuff it's like well dude i'm mm-hmm. sorry i was on i was on shift hour number 11 i just got yep. done working this guy over for 15 minutes doing compressions in the back of a moving ambulance like i, I apologize that i forgot to dot an i and cross a t so that yep. you can't get paid for this you know it's like but if yep. you're gonna write me up for that shit then fine but like uh, you know, so the same thing with law <laughs> enforcement. It's like you know, you you got a split second to make this decision, and then yeah. after you've made the decision, you're going to live with the consequences and rewards of that decision. But then you got to go document it, and then if you didn't yep. document it correctly, then that guy potentially gets off because of a technicality, and the, and it's just kind of like, oh yep. my god, like what the fuck? I have I
0: have had higher ups tell me like we used to shoot when I started at um. My second agency there, so have been uh, when I started in patrol. We were shooting Sig two DAC, double action yeah. onlys. Yeah. Atrocious trigger, double reset, whole deal. When you come back, there's like a double feel. It's, it's just, I don't understand. <laughs> so I bring in some of my competition guns, like, like pretty much I carry all types of different stuff. I'm a 2011 guy now, limited guy. But normally you'll see me with this right here. You'll see me with my Wilson EDC. X9, because I've never been able to choke, make it them choke and puke. And I got a small one I carried in dope, and I got a full size, you know, they carry uh, now. And I bring that gun in, and I'm like, just feel the trigger, you know, boss. Just feel this. They feel. Oh no, like this is too light. Like if, if when our first shooting the attorneys are gonna pick this up and pull this and be like, why do you need a trigger? A, a gun with the trigger so light? Because it helps us shoot more effectively to put more effective rounds on target. They're already worried about getting sued, and they're purposely giving law enforcement, just like the New York trigger and the Glock, purposely giving law enforcement disadvantage to give them heavier triggers and more challenging platforms because they're worried about covering their ass. Yeah,
1: which which doesn't make sense. It's it's, it's a completely and utterly stupid argument because you've, you've made it more difficult to put rounds on target. Which means that, uh, like we said, every bullet you send, you're accountable for. Well, how right. is it that you fired 28 rounds and only four of them found your target? Well, because you make me pull a 12 pound fucking trigger. Right. <laughs> you know, in one a high inch stress every situation. while well, yeah. trying to,
0: like, like. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. There's like a, it, be, it
1: becomes like, like, uh, I got to assume it's almost like when you're in the dreams. You know, it's like you, yep. you're in the dream. The bad guys are pulling up and you go to open up your gun box and your gun is for some reason in parts. So you got to try and assemble yep. it really quick. And then you can't find the magazine and the bullets are somewhere else. And then finally, when you get it, you're like trying to pull the trigger and the dude's just walking at you in normal speed. And you're like, That's, why can't I? Every,
0: every cough has that nightmare. I've had that nightmare. <laughs> trust me. We're like, why won't my gun go off? Especially if you ever going into a shooting or everything, and then you're like, why won't my gun go off later? You're like, why am I dreaming about my gun? Get my gun did go off. Like, I don't, I don't know. like, I don't know. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, there's, there's a ton to be fixed. My resolution is get politics out of law enforcement because higher ups are politically appointed. So police chiefs, all that kind of stuff, are politically appointed. So even though they're not political positions, they are because they're politically appointed. Sheriffs are elected officials, so they are politics, even though they're in like, some places like Florida. I got, I got guys like Grady Judd down in Glades County and some of those other counties like that. We got some good old school badass sheriffs that do a great job, but they're elected positions. So you get some of the other places. I mean, look at the stuff that goes on in Chicago with, like, that crap. It's, like, insanity. Yeah. Insanity, so...
1: No, well, and you know, so it's to to get politics out of law enforcement. It's also to get money out of politics, which is never going to happen because they all make way too much on them bribes. So that's Um, that's, right. That's us. You know, neither neither here or there. It's above my pay grade. I know that, right? So above my pay grade, but it's absolutely true. Right? Exactly. All right, man, we well, we're at an hour and twenty right now. I've got a couple of questions that I do to to end these podcasts up. Uh there's kind of like some fast fire, and then after that we'll kinda of give you the floor to to uh, promote yourself and uh any companies you want to or anything like that. But uh, let's let's start off with uh these questions real quick. And and the last one okay. I'm really excited one to get an answer for you. But here we go. Uh would you rather be able to talk to your pet or talk to babies?
0: Uh my pet. I don't really care about babies, I have to say. So I've got a, I've had a, I got a couple of them like they just you yeah, know who cares what they say I want to talk to my dog he's the man so <laughs> okay
1: <laughs> air guitar or air drums
0: uh definitely air guitar air guitar I guess you know okay the headbanging the the classic rock and I don't have the coordination for drums I don't know how those guys do it
1: <laughs> uh it's movie night action or comedy action
0: action comedy if preferable though i will say
1: mm-hmm.
0: like i'm probably gonna go inside okay. and watch rush hour right now so
1: nice all right um being alone or being with someone that you find annoying definitely
0: alone over oh, someone be annoying i'd rather be with someone i like to hang out with but if they annoy me i'd rather be by myself because <laughs> i annoy right. myself enough sometimes so i don't want someone else to do it
1: right i know jesus uh non-stop running nose or an uncontrollable cough which would you rather have?
0: Uh, The runny nose because I can still still work out. And my nose has been broken so many times now that I don't (laughs) think it really works that much anyway, so I probably wouldn't even notice it.
1: (laughs) Right. All right. And the last question, and this is the one I'm most excited about. Everglades seasoning or Old Bay? Oh. Yeah, there you go. Depending on what I'm putting on, if I had to
0: pick one, I'll go Old Bay just because it's got a little bit more spice and I like mixing that in
1: oh man but i'm so, i'm huge on both
0: i'm huge on both or both in my cabinet if you you know you watch my instagram i'm always cooking crap especially wild game and i like both so
1: oh that's surprising that's a that's a little bit shocker i i thought everglade I was going to be the clear winner there at old Bay there. Thought. that's the yeah. northeast side you know but uh, i know
0: i know i'm cultured what can i say
1: so, <laughs> so refined
0: right <laughs> so refined you know
1: Right on. Well, Jr. It was awesome chatting with you, man. How about uh, let, let's let's chat real quick. Um, if there's any sponsors you want to give a shout out to, and we definitely make sure you give a shout out about your upcoming fight because I know that is uh, is coming soon. So let's let's get it done, man. What, what you got going yeah. on? Yeah, who you got to uh, say thanks to?
0: Yeah, I got a ton of them. Uh, you know, Bobby, who is Southern Boy Barbecue that's doing all of our USPSA matches now. Is starting to get a little team together and helping us out with sponsorships and uh, uh, sponsor slots. And have his own pocket, he's not getting them, um, so that's really awesome. So Bobby's helping me out with that. Uh, Hunter's HD Gold as always, because everybody loves Brian, coolest guy um, there is. Uh, Gunfighter Oil, who's also carry trainer on Instagram. Um, Mickey Shulk, he's he's a great dude. Um, does a lot for the civilians, which I love um and bringing civilians into getting adapt and responsible for their own actions so i love that guy um if you're ever in sarasota there's buccaneer pond there's high noon guns there's you can always message me on instagram i can point where to go if you're ever in town um and then operation second chance is the charity that i work with it's helping out like injured leo and military uh ptsd and uh, pts and also like physical injuries and stuff too and their families of the guys um and girls who are you know seriously injured or killed in the line of duty so you get a chance operation second chance is awesome uh they're national now it started out just as uh, a mother of a soldier and a friend's mom doing uh baskets and now it's grown into uh, helping a lot of guys and girls so uh that's a really awesome charity if you get a chance and then yeah you can find my instagram fighting uh may 6th in orlando uh it'll be a it'll be a basher for sure like you know be tuned into of my fights like you know what's going to happen but you know there's going to be a ton of fists being thrown it's going to be at least entertaining um it's probably not going to go the distance i'm yet to have a fight go the distance so it's none of them are ever going to go the distance whether for better or for worse you know it's going to be entertainment because that's what we're there for so yeah just check that out and uh I'll see it. I'll be at, you know, IDPA worlds and a couple nationals coming up, like uh Iron Size Nationals and everything. So I'm sure I'll be seeing you there. So
1: Well, I mean, you, you gotta find me first. I'm I'm a pretty hard guy to find once you're at the range. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, it's super difficult to find you. Yeah, me too, with yeah, you know,
1: I... long hair, and sleeveless shirt and everything running around. So well, I'm just gonna I just need to go look for like one of the one of the three guys out on the range. Like it looks like they could probably break me in half and eat me okay stem cells right out of me Just, <laughs>
0: yep there we go that's there, my there's secret. jr so it's all stem cells, it's all stem, cells. <laughs> stem, stem cells and bone broth
1: hey i've I've seen i've seen south park i know what it did for christopher reeves
0: so <laughs> i'm saying so i'm saying you've seen that you've seen that and uh you know check you know too uh it's cool is that the other supplement company i've been working with is that make ready nutrition so i don't know if you've seen them but they're shooters mm-hmm. making supplements for shooters now like non-stem and stem um, obviously, I take it, though, for everything, um, so that Make Ready Nutrition and uh, my discount code, like Crosby 10, gets you 10% off, and then if you use Reload 23, it gets free shipping, too, um, and the prices are great. It's a super clean product. Um, they got proteins, pre-workouts, non-STEM, and STEM, so uh, anybody who's working out there, that's a really good company to check out as well, so
1: like you said it's it's uh it's being run by a shooter so for those of you that yeah. are in the shooting world hey, ready uh, nutrition
0: it's major and minor pf i mean <laughs> yeah power factor that's so. the that's the names he's gotta love it
1: right on awesome cool well jr again thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me i appreciate you still just sitting in the car even though i'm assuming you're home now uh <laughs> just got
0: him we're good yeah fine
1: <laughs> right on man but uh yeah, so I'm excited. Definitely, definitely keep an eye out for you. Uh good luck with the fight, man. Work your ass off and go in there and, and smash some faces. And bro, um, you know, best of luck to you. And then yeah, if if, uh, if we're ever going a match together, we'll be sure to to try and get together. Uh whether or not we go get lunch or dinner or something like that, we'll we'll make it happen. So again, thank you so much for your time. And uh everyone else, thank you guys so much for for tuning in and watching. Um, make sure you stay stay tuned for the next episode of Open Action with me, John McLean, presented by Arms Corps.